Cinematography. The nominees are pretty strong. Number one, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Two, Halloween. Three, Halloween 2. And we're not talking about the original Halloween 2, we're talking about the 2009 Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Uh, four, Us, Jordan Peele's Us. And five, Psycho. By the master himself, Alfred Hitchcock. So, uh, Rich, why don't you lead us off on best cinematography? We have several beautiful films here. I'm surprised to see Halloween 2. Nothing, nothing against it. I just don't know that I would put it up there along with the rest of these. Zombie really digs those sort of like crunchy blacks and he does really like appreciate a nice cinematic like wide shot and staging like with the them thinking in particular like the the ambulance and the horse of all the things i take away from that film like i'd say the cinematography was good but, but impassable but but not a best texas chainsaw massacre has an endearing you know schlubbiness to it um, and it is, it's kind of like chaotic and I, I get, I get the feeling that they're, I, memory serves, they're working with a lot of like natural light, um, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so that's, that's impressive. <laughs> Sorry, um, I just have to stop you there. Um, what I love about Texas Chainsaw is that, <laughs> that, sh- <laughs> That that schlubby cinematography. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you mean. I just I latched onto that. It struck me as comical. Okay, go on, please. <laughs> um, but I mean, like when you're talking about this class of films, like I'm not really sure how you make an argument against Psycho. You're talking about a, a movie that is that is framed by the the master of suspense. Um, I'd have to pull up exactly who is the DP on on Psycho. Crisp like black and white imagery, like expertly framed shots. I mean, like psycho is like gorgeous, like psycho. If you're talking about strictly from like a filmmaking point of view, it might be a little like stodgy or technical or a little film school, but like, I mean, psycho psycho has multiple shots that are their cover art, their, their, their paintings and compositions. Like there's, there's really no contest there. Okay. Well, Vic, which film had the, schlubbiest cinematography in your mind. <laughs> There's a lot of quality schlubby photography in the, the slasher genre. I'd probably have to give my award to Blood Feast. Uh, but I did take a second and look up. Uh, the cinematographer for Psycho was John L. Russell. And I'm just looking through his uh, his filmography to see what else, because I agree, and especially, I mean, you have to remember that this was a time where if I remember correctly, the studio wouldn't greenlight Psycho at the budget that Hitchcock wanted. So he agreed to film it in black and white, even though color was available at the time. There were still black and white films being made. But it was, you know, it was a little bit passe to do it in black and white at the time. He just did it so that the studio would give him the money. So it's I mean, it's kind of impressive that they were able to get uh, such amazing cinematography out of that. I honestly, I mean, I'm looking at it. There's a few movies that I recognize in the cinematographer's filmography, but nothing leaps out at me as like any other super classics. He did The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which is pretty cool. Rich, I'm not going to argue with you as far as the the compositions and stuff in Psycho, but I really want to vote for us. 
Uh, I find the, the colors, the juxtapositions, a lot of the individual shots are really striking. Uh, I think that's probably what I would go with. I didn't think this category would be the one that we spend the most time on, but it's possible because I have a third choice. So we're going to we're going to have to hash this out. It came down to Texas or the original Halloween for me. Um, Daniel Pearl. (laughs) These are cinematographers. I certainly know by name Uh, Daniel Pearl in the case of Texas Chainsaw and Dean Cundy for Halloween. And I landed on Halloween because there's that long take in the open, the daylight uh, stalking stuff, which is still both of those things are impressive to this day. There's also some indelible memorable iconic shots from the house at the end i mean michael appearing slowly in the gloom behind laurie michael sitting up in the background uh you know even the the looking down at him sprawled on the grass and then him not being sprawled on the grass all of that to me is part of a big part of what makes halloween the film that it is so i think the cinematography is is critical to the impact of it, uh, it has my vote. And, and Texas, I will say, it has the under the swing shot, which I think is, I, I've talked about this at length. It's probably one of my favorite shots, definitely is one of my favorite shots in the history of cinema. You know, That's probably very subjective and personal, but it, it's true for me. But the film as a whole does not have the pictorial artistry of Halloween. So guys, uh, we got we to gotta figure this out. And I don't disagree with either of you you know, strenuously, but um, I'm sticking to my vote so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> I would say, like, I would certainly, like, my my runner-up in this category would definitely be Halloween. There's, there's a lot of shots. Like, I'm thinking for some reason of the of the driving shots when it's, like, the, the cameras in the back of the, the car which is sort of like this weird, like unmotivated shot since there's a, since there's the, the partition between and it's like, well, what point of view are we seeing this from and why? Um, you know, like there's, there's some, some questionable kind of like what I would label like low budget time constraint decisions that are made. Wait, a little too schlubby perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just a a hair schlubby, um, but not full schlub. Uh, (laughs) Um, You know, but, but but I agree. There, there's definitely a a thoughtfulness, and like there, there's a. St- I mean, look, spatial distance in Halloween matters, right? I mean, like you're talking a lot about stalking in that film, and and the way that you kind of like measure, you know, Michael's point of view and like how close he is to. Because it's debatable, like who's looking around like the hedge, but like I'm thinking of like the the head shot where um, where Jamie Lee Curtis and the and the girls are, are think they're being watched. It's like, you know, I mean, like that stuff matters. Like you're setting up sort of like these like spatial relationships and, and making it feel like he's close, but not too close. You know, like there's the shot out the the window of like the, the clotheslines. And again, essentially like he's right outside the house, but he's not right outside her window. And I think that there's something, there's definitely like something to that, that that's worth noting. But it was, I, I mean, I agree. Like how, I mean, look, these are, these are all well shot films. I think that the us is really, is nicely done as well, but I just wouldn't put it on par with the others. Rich, I'm to, uh, now, Rich, the others is not up for this. <laughs> that was last season. Uh, and, and I agree. Look, obviously I love Halloween, Rich. I'm just, I, I'm just curious. What were you doing with the pygmy goat <laughs> that John has pictures of? And, and no. Vic, um, tell us, <laughs> What's the source, Vic, of your irrational hatred of John Carpenter's Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will consent to Halloween as a uh, as a suitable runner-up as well. All right. Uh, pleasure doing business with y'all. Yeah. Yeah. We all we all get our second choice, just like our parents. Uh, no, Wait, that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm just kidding. Holy shit. Let's roll career. back the footage on that one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Let's be honest. None of our wives listen to the podcast. Oh, that's definitely true. I sorry. I mean, Wendy would be the best shot at it. And no, I don't think she does, but she's giving okay. up. And by the way, Vic, that was my first choice just for the record. So, all right. I'm way ahead of you in this contest. 
Rich is lapping all of us, but I'm at least in the picture. <laughs> wow. <Okay. laughs> just, just twist that dagger around, buddy. Let's move on to the next category. I'm twisting that chef's knife. So the funniest movie, intentionally or not, it's a fun category. Number one, intentionally funny, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Two, probably not intentionally funny. I'm going to stop doing that, but I just you know wanted to kind of set some parameters here. Blood Rage. Three, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Four, Sleepaway Camp. Five, Child's Play. This is the 2019 version. And six, Slumber Party Massacre. Seven, Blood Feast. Eight, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Eight films to consider. Uh, that's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, Rich, I don't think you've let us off in a while. Uh, where's your immediate knee-jerk reaction to this eight-film field? I don't know if you recall, but like I'm, I wasn't a big fan of Behind the Mask, but I, I will yeah. uh, acknowledge that it was funny, and I thought that it was well-written, certainly in places. I thought it was definitely clever. So no argument that like it was it was not a funny movie. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night definitely has its moments, um, as does Blood Feast. Although Blood Feast, I will acknowledge, is like a bit of a grind, actually kind of like make it through it, um, which, which I think it's, a, it's only like an hour and eight minutes or something. So that was really <laughs> saying something. I mean, I think that this is the for me, this this is the moment to give Blood Rage its shine. Like to, to me, like that this that's really where and, and, and shout out to Friday thirteenth part six, which I think we were saying was felt like it was kind of ahead of its time in terms of being like the the meta modern slasher movie. But I think that for me, like Blood Rage struck just the right balance of like it, it was trying to be funny at moments, and other times it was trying earnestly to be a low budget slasher film. But it was still just so like gleefully and and unintentionally, I think, uh, weird at times that it just like elicited constant kind of laughter, giggles, and smiles as I was as I was watching the movie. So, and I think that's why it like sticks with me. So, Blood Rage. Yep, yep, strong case, Vic. Your thoughts. Blood Rage certainly fits in the the category of unintentionally uh, funny, and I, I won't argue with that. I will make a a case for Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, which I think is is more intentionally funny. You obviously have the, I mean, the great moments like the the kid when they're hiding from Jason, and the kid says, "What were you going to be when you grew up?" You know, but there's also, I mean, I just remember, uh, I believe it's Demon, uh, the the older brother scrambling for the porta potty after eating the, after eating a burrito and getting impaled in that. I, I saw that on a list of the five funniest moments in Friday the 13th movie. It's a different kind of funny, obviously, than Blood Rage, but... I think it meshes very well with the the film that they made. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Yeah, I, I think two of these movies are intentionally funny. That's one of them. Behind the Mask is the other. I, I think you could say there's some ambiguity about Slumber Party Massacre and Sleepaway Camp. Oh, there's so many nominees I totally overlooked. Child's Play 2019 is definitely trying to be funny, partially. Um, it's not a farce but uh, or even a horror comedy, but there's a lot of intentional humor in it. So you guys have given me a lot to think about, but I'm going to stick with my original notes on this subject. It's blood rage for me. I, I think the movie is essentially wall-to-wall laughs. Uh, a lot of it, I think, is unintentional, but that only makes it funnier, of course, as is often the case, like Sea Troll 2. The movie's a hoot without being objectively well-made or even good in a lot of traditional ways. Beyond, I, I will give due credit to the acting of Mark Soper and especially Louise Lasser, but it's it's the most consistently funny movie of these eight. And I won't say that 
The others aren't funny, but it's blood rage for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, yeah. Cena gets some awards. I agree that Friday Thirteenth Part Six was pretty was a pretty strong entry. You know uh, what, Rich? Just no, no, no. Just, just, just save it. Just save it. No, it's too late. <laughs> Definitely not my favorite Friday film. But like there was yeah, some, we co- we yeah. covered that, Rich. We covered that. <laughs> bah, bah. Wait, you, is that you, the piggy no, yeah. goat? Now you're gonna tell me it's it's not you, it's me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I spotted some horns running behind uh, Rich there. Um, it was a definitely the pygmy goat. No, no, no. Uh, he's just sensible, and 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 you're a freaking lunatic, Vic. I mean, <sighs> you agreed with me on that one, John. I know. I I'm leading that. That let the record show. Yeah. Also. John, the point of the pygmy goat is that it stays under the camera frame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, that brings to mind thoughts that are really <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Why is Vic suddenly smoking a cigarette and leaning back on a pillow in the middle of our podcast? Guys, just just don't talk for a second, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm close. I mean, I'm close to forming my thoughts. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Woo. All right. Now we're off the rails. Good. Right. Now Vic and I are going to have to start colluding to stop Rich from winning this whole thing. So good luck, man. I'm throwing my vote. I've been marking the winners as we go, as though we're going to send them actual awards when this is all over. I'll, I'll oh, post yeah. it. I'll post it on our Facebook page. This should be. This should all be be cemented somewhere digitally. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I think I've only missed on one category so far. <sighs> the hot hand. Somebody stop this guy. All right, here we go. Next one. Most unintentionally funny scene. Now, this one has to be unintentional, and that will come up on the last nominee as a potential technicality. Number one, Pieces Riggs, played by Linda Day George, screaming, Bastard! Three times, doing a James T. Kirk in Wrath of Khan fist pump two, the ending of scream two, three Chuck Connors feeding crackers to a mannequin in tourist trap. The first movie we talked about this season Four, doggy style sex in hatchet two. Now I think you guys know where I'm going here. Everything in hatchet two is intended to be funny, right? So. Yeah, so I think Hatchet Two is that that's uh, disqualified, right? Yeah. Rich, now, wait, John, I'm sorry. I have I have a a, a write-in uh, nominee, which oh. is the sudden appearance of the kung fu teacher in pieces. Oh yes, that's an excellent excellent write-in. Ooh, that complicates things for me. Rich, <laughs> if you put in the doggy style sex, do you want to make a case for why it's unintentionally I, funny? I did, or? Not, I did not put that in there. I don't even okay. remember that. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Okay, but are we eliminating that? Probably, right? Okay. I'll start this one. I am going with pieces here. Vic definitely makes my task harder because I didn't think about the Kung Fu guy. I could I could be swayed on that because that is one of the most ridiculous, useless, most contrived, transparently non-related to the plot of the movie it's supposed to be in bits I've ever seen in my life. But I don't know that I laugh at it all that much. I a little bit, yes, definitely. But I mean, Linda Day George cracks me up in this moment. I think it's one of the worst individual moments of acting I can recall seeing. It's so unpersuasive and forced. I just, I guffaw every time I see it. So I'm coming out of the gates with that one. Rich, what are your thoughts? I weirdly don't remember either of these moments from pieces. Hmm. I probably should have YouTubed them before this, uh, before this podcast, but here we are. I would say that I find the ending of Scream 2 painful, but not particularly (laughs) funny. But I find Chuck Connors feeding crackers the mannequin tourist trap funny. So uh, I'm gonna have to side with that and uh, trust in your your guys' opinion of pieces. Vic, a lot of power in those 
Fuck. I, we're, we're back to this because I was going to go with the Kung Fu teacher. I, I had actually written that in, John. I'm not sure if you if you saw it or not. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I wrote that. I wrote that in a couple days ago. So that to me, like that's when I think about when I think about pieces and the guy going, oh no, that's just my Kung Fu teacher. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That just yeah. kills me. So, you know what? I'll go with pieces, whether it's uh, rig screaming bastard or the appearance of the Kung Fu teacher. I think that's a, a fair denouement on, on this category. I mean, Otherwise, it kind of just seems like you're sniffing your own farts. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I wrote in this and that's the winner. And fuck you guys. Yeah. So no, look, it's I think we can agree that pieces is the most unintentionally funny movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm perfectly happy with with that outcome. Yeah. Uh, so, um, ooh, Rich takes the L. Momentum while guys, lost. While you guys were talking, I YouTube that that segment. <laughs> oh, good. Which wait? Which one? I support you. The the bastard sequence. Oh, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's instantly available on YouTube. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Next up is the My Heart Will Go On Award, and this one can be described as the best romantic relationship, or kind of the slasher version of a weepy romance in one of these films. The nominees are. Leatherface and Stretch in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Two is Mark Lewis and Helen Stevens in Peeping Tom. Our third nominee is Dina and Sam in Fear Street 94. Four is James and Kristen in The Strangers. Five, Frank and Anna in Maniac. And either film... The remake or the 1981 original will qualify. Six, Angela and Paul in Sleepaway Camp. Seven, Norman Bates and Mary in Psycho 2. We could discuss all of these in detail. They're all interesting in one way or another. Vic, where's your heart right now? I, I can't believe I think my my brain got mixed up looking at this because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out Another write-in vote for Mark and is it Vicky, right? In uh, Friday the 13th, part two? Yeah. You know, I think we started this long before we did the autopsy of that film. And I certainly remember you gushing about them in our analysis of Friday the 13th, part two. Yeah. So I think it's just an oversight that it didn't end up. On the ballot. I should have, I, it's, that's, that's my fault. I should have, I should have put it in. I think I saw Mark Lewis from Peeping Tom and just went, oh, that must be Mark from right. uh, Friday the 13th part two. Boy, I like Norman and Mary in Psycho 2. Can't really go with Angela and Paul. <laughs> that's not going, that's not going anywhere good. Same thing with Frank and Anna and Maniac, especially the first one. That's like one of them, still one of the most preposterous romances I've ever seen. <laughs> James and Kirsten in The Strangers is just depressing. Dina and Sam is sweet, but it's not one for the ages. I mean, it's weird. There's a, there's a lot of overlap between Mark Lewis and Helen Stevens and Peeping Tom and Leatherface and Stretch and Texas Chainsaw 2. Just in terms of the, the killer sort of finding their humanity with their relationship with this person. I'm going to go with Mark and Helen because... You actually believe at some point in the film that maybe they have a chance. And and I think that Mark's ultimate sacrifice with the idea of trying to save Helen from himself is is noteworthy. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Somebody's got to cast a vote for Peeping Tom. And you know what? If I'm going down in this fucking competition, I'm going down in a ball of flames, guys. <laughs> I mean, that's far from the most absurd thing you've said tonight, Vic, so... Uh, I respect. I am, I am the Jamarcus Russell of <laughs> awards voters. He had to hit me where it hurts, folks. Yep. <laughs> okay. I know, Rich. That uh, reference was lost on you, but help us out here. Um, weigh in before I do. You know, I actually weirdly liked at least in the 
in the newer remake, uh, the Frank and Anna relationship in yeah. Maniac kind of stood out to me. It's just it's been too long since I've seen it, but I can just tell you that like I, I like in my memory of that film, like what I really remember about it mostly is that 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 is sort of the the tether that kind of like keeps that film moving along is the progression of uh, of their relationship and the fact that she seems sort of like sympathetic to this like wounded bird type character who you know is is actually a, a maniac obviously and it has a, like a pretty like disturbing tragic end to it otherwise like i agree with all your assessments vic but i came to the same conclusion actually like i think that this is what like the the relationship is what gives peeping tom its its strength i mean i don't think that peeping tom is in is an excellent example of a slasher film um as we've discussed before but but in terms of it being in our in our competition i mean like that is really what is going on in that movie is the the push and pull that the Mark Lewis's character, you know, feels as he both like explores this compulsion that he has while, you know, simultaneously kind of like fostering this relationship with um, with her and the and the overlap that he has between those those two things. Um, so I think it's probably the most interesting exploration of a of a relationship, especially tied to like the plot of the film. So uh, I'm going to agree with you on Peeping Tom. I think it was an astute point by Vic to, to connect one and two. And I, I think that they're unique in that regard, though. I'm glad Rich brought up the Maniac remake because certainly I, I'm the champion of both Maniacs in this room, probably. But I think the thing that main, the, the Maniac remake with Elijah Wood did certainly more convincingly was the Frank and Anna relationship. Not that I hate the first ones as much as as Vic does, but I think that it's certainly a lot more poignant in, in the remake. And I, I think, and I'm glad that Rich gave that some some credit because it's. Um, it's one of the more ultimately based on where the, the film goes, one of the more disturbing aspects and memorable aspects of maniac um, 2012 or whatever it was. I initially decided on Leatherface and stretch. It's a knee jerk thing for me. Basically Leatherface and stretch is the only halfway romantic slasher final girl relationship in any of these movies. And I think it would be highly debatable to call Helen Stevens and Peeping Tom a final girl. It's before the final girl, and it's certainly concept, and it certainly doesn't play out at all like a normal slasher movie final girl. But Stretch is one of the strongest final girls of any of them. And I I think that in in more ways than one – I think that their relationship is unique and super memorable and mostly sweet, even if it gets off to a skin crawling, almost rapey start. I think ultimately she does tap into Leatherface's humanity and vulnerability. And I I think that while of course she's playing him, you know, to survive and she's not interested in him. I think that there's an endearing quality to their dynamic. And I, I don't think, like she certainly doesn't go out of her way to kill him or something like that. I, I think there's something of a bond there. Like, you know, he, he does okay by her at, in the end, at the end of the day. So, um, I'm going to stick with that, but I don't mind losing this one. Uh, because I was also affected by, uh, the Mark and Helen relationship. And I would agree. It's my favorite thing in peeping Tom, but kind of like rich, I, Otherwise, I wouldn't be giving the movie the time of day as a slasher film, even though, yeah, it's not that it doesn't do anything cool um, and slashery, but it's just not really a slasher to me either. Any final thoughts based on that comment about Leatherface and Stretch? Yeah, John, I'll tell you what I heard. Blah, blah, blah. I lost. <laughs> I was, that was very moving. <laughs> no, um, no, no, you're right. I, all excellent points. I, I will say that Stretch is the best character on this list, and I, I agree with you that their relationship is unlike any other in the film. I noticed that you didn't mention the the creature in the funhouse and the fortune teller. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would have been a good um, novelty nominee for sure. <laughs> Monster and <laughs> <hand> job. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, I agree. I, th- I think it's the like you said, it's the it's the unsettling start of their relationship that that puts me off. Uh, I think yeah. of of that storyline. Um, you know, but it, I mean, if you can if if you can put that aside then uh, I agree with you. And the, the arc of it and what it does is, is the most interesting and, you know, you probably have the best character, the best characters in terms of what you're talking about. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. That Not a bad choice there either, for sure. All right, well, I'm going to put an asterisk on that one because I, I think Rich basically agrees with me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. The uh, Kissing Your Sister Award. And this is going to be the best whodunit aspect of a slasher, which I think I can safely say nobody thinks is the best kind of slasher is these whodunit ones. So even if it's good, it's kind of like kissing your sister. That's the thought process here. So the nominees are The Scream Movies, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, 2014, Pieces, and Opera. I don't remember who hasn't gone first in a while. Whoever wants to jump in, take it away. I'm uncomfortable with the kissing your sister award just generally. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I will say, I mean, I the you're right that these are all like kind of kind of terrible. I, I'm sad that you didn't include Intruder with the the grocery clerk who's like sad that the store is closing. Yeah, yeah, you know that that might have been worth a mention in that. Like, I don't remember. Uh, well, there knowing. you go. It's been mentioned, but uh, no, I honestly, looking at this list, I would go with opera, largely because using the crows as a way to to identify the killer at the end, I thought was was really cool, uh, and I can't give it to anything in the scream movies. I actually don't remember exactly. Oh, no, I do remember The Town That Dreaded Sundown, but that was terrible. What? It was not terrible. Oh, come on, it was terrible. The the dead boyfriend who who came back to life and, like... We don't have to get into the specifics. Oh, we'll get into the specifics, John. (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah, I I thought the, uh, the reveal in The Town That Dreaded Sundown was not as bad as Scream 2, but it was in the same ballpark. So, wow. yeah, I get to go with opera. I'm going with the town that dreaded sundown. Jesus Christ, John. What, I, did, I do? what did I do? What did I do to you? <laughs> I, I prefer it's mystery and mythology. I mean, we we won't get into like, oh, well, who exactly was it or how did it, you know those pieces fit together? But like the whole movie is inviting you to figure out who the killer is. And I thought that it was very interesting and central to my enjoyment of the cinematic experience was kind of going through the lore and the history and how does it tie into what's going on now. And I think you make a a great point about the Ravens, Crows, whatever, in opera. Um, So... I, you know, I don't feel that strongly, but uh, I honestly, my first thought was Town That Dreaded Sundown. So, Rich, it's up to you, man. This is not a super strong category for me. I, I can't say that yeah. I have, like, really strong feelings about any of these movies, except that I do not like the Scream films. And so they're yeah. certainly not in the running. It's so weird. Like, I know I mentioned this earlier. Like, I know that I watched Pieces. <laughs> How do you not remember Pieces? Yeah, really. <laughs> pieces is Bat shit nuts. Like it pieces and uh, blood rage as a double feature. Like I, that makes sense. To Maybe me. I need to go back and watch it again. I may have just been like really tired. It was like a cram session trying to get it in before yeah. we, uh, before we recorded. So I, maybe I just like rushed my way through it. But yeah, so I have, I just have very little memory of pieces. Anyways, I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say opera as well. Like, to me, like when I read the the description of this this category, it, I felt like this read for the like the Dario Argento films, like kind of across the board, like because 
they played like detective movies. Um, yeah. Which one was the John Saxon one? Was that Tenebrae? Tenebrae? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a whodunit for sure. Yeah. Like I would have, I would have put that in this category probably over opera actually. Well, too but, bad we didn't give you a chance to, Oh wait, no. Um, we gave you three months. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You <laughs> fucked that up, Rich. You're voting for opera. <laughs> Suck it, John. <laughs> I could write it in Tenebrae, but I think, I think in, in lieu of that, like I do, that's what I appreciate about those movies is that they, they played out like a somewhere between a slasher film and like a noir detective. And so, you know, opera captured that, that well. And while I, I mean, I was a chance, I think I brought town of the dread sundown um, you did. to the, to the list. I like it. Uh, and I, there's still things I really appreciate. And I think are, are pretty unique for a horror film, but it definitely carries over some of that kind of like, ryan murphy mm. aesthetic that i think just like won't probably last the the test of time and so i'm gonna i'll i knock will knock it down a little bit for that whereas like opera um has a distinctive quality that can certainly not be denied so anyways opera okay well i'm changing my vote to tenebra um <laughs> so yeah let the record show <laughs> you could have made a difference rich <laughs> okay there's one one little lone mark in in Vic's win column. Two, 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 two. Right, yeah, two. Sorry, you doubled. Take one of my wins from me. <laughs> well, this this might be another win for you. Uh, let's find out the Wes Craven Award, and the concept on this one is the biggest slashed best high concept in a slasher, as Craven is known for mind blowing premises across subgenres of horror. I wanted to do a Wes reference, let's be honest. So here we are. Let's do this. Number one, Wes himself's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Two, Happy Death Day. Three, Us. Four, Final Destination 2. Five, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And six, The Town That Dreaded. Sundown. I think it's probably my turn to to go first. I'm going to say there's a lot of similarities. If you uh, look under the hood at these movies, in some ways, five and six actually have the most in common. I'm talking about New Nightmare and Town the Dreaded Sundown. And they're from different franchises. Uh, But I'm I'm kind of referring to the idea that the, the fact that the movie, the original movie exists in some way informs the killing that's happening now. I'm going to get ahead of you guys on this one and cast my vote, my leadoff vote for the man himself, Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street. Because it's Jaws with a bedroom instead of a beach. There's no escaping Freddy. I mean, we all got to sleep. Conceptually, it's sheer genius. So it's top of the pile for me. And uh, Vic, stumble and fumble and bumble and try to tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> that's a, that's a good lead in John. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to give a shout out to the town that dreaded sundown because that is a, a, a cool idea. I wish I am just thinking of this and I don't know what years they came out, but it takes a similar uh, tactic to it that uh, Blair, Witch two did, which was also not a, good movie but what do you mean uh, also did the town that dreaded sundown do you think it's not a good movie oh no you're right all right oh, okay. fine sorry okay. let me pick apart my every word <laughs> sorry uh sorry i i don't want this to sound like i'm endorsing book of shadows blair witch 2 but conceptually because we're just talking about concept in terms of concept they take a, a, a very similar take uh, but the answer here is a is a no brainer. It's New Nightmare. New Nightmare was doing what Charlie Kaufman was doing ten years before Charlie Kaufman was doing it, and you can have all the the questions and concerns you want with the execution, but conceptually that is is easily the freshest, most interesting take, especially for the time period in this category. So, Rich, explain to us if you agree with Vic that. 
New Nightmare is almost as good as Blair Witch Project 2, Book no, of Shadows. No, 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 no. I was talking about the town that dreaded sundown <laughs> being compared with Blair Witch 2. I, only to say that I like that idea of the movie existing in a world where the previous movie also exists. But that's taking that's like that's like a baby step in meta, whereas New Nightmare is a, 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 a giant leap. It's the it's the Neil Armstrong of meta horror films. I just wanted to somehow make it sound like you liked Blair Witch. Oh, just suck it, John. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got to come up with a new insult. <laughs> oh, we're going to move on go. from Halloween H2O to uh, Vic's obsessive love of uh, Book of Shadows. <laughs> Book of Shadows, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Rich, this is a tough one, right? I mean, or or isn't it? You you tell us. Um, I mean, it is a tough one. I mean, there's, there's some good nods in here. I think like, I'm still a fan of happy death day, but it's, it's, it's groundhog day, you know? So right. like it, it wasn't that original, but it was a nice application. Us, as much as I like, eventually came around to us, I mean, my first viewing of us, like I actually, like, I couldn't even piece together like what that movie was about. You know, it, it took a minute for that to, to, to grow on me. I mean, I do love the final destination series and, and feel like, they kind of brought like a new concept to the table. I have such like mixed feelings about New Nightmare, and maybe it's just because the execution was like was was pretty clunky with it. I mean, you make a you make a solid argument for it, Vic, and I know that you're a you're a fan, even if it's not necessarily for the the quality of the film it, itself. But I'm inclined to go with the the original Nightmare on Elm Street as well like i just feel like again you're talking about a movie that that sort of reinvented the the genre i don't know in terms of like impact i think like you have to look at nightmare on elm street and like it it certainly had the the biggest impact it's not the it's not the biggest impact award rich it's the it's the the biggest best high concept I just want to say interject uh, as Rich adjudicates here. The very concept that sequel number seven or, or whatever it is would have a better high concept than the original is ballsy. I'm just going to throw that out there. John, I'm going to I've got a, a, a recording um, of just just beeps and boops that I'm just going to start playing <laughs> randomly when you're talking. <laughs> Just to just to drive me up the fucking yeah, wall. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Vic. Your opinions are enough to do that. <laughs> oh, geez, what was that? <laughs> oh, I I think it's the movie police here to arrest you. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're you're you make good points, but Rich, come on, you got to decide. We got to move on. <laughs> okay. I. You know what? I Vic, you won me over. I'm gonna go with New Nightmare. <laughs> All right, you're dead wrong, and this <laughs> Rich, is Rich cannot stand the beeps and boops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Excellent. This is threatening to become the orphanage moment of of this season. Um, <laughs> my blood is boiling um, at that one, but the show must go on. What did wait wait What did uh, what Rich? What did we oust when we when we picked uh, New Nightmare? What something was it against? Like. Yeah, it was against something, and John was 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 furious. Jesus, oh, I don't know. That, that's buried in a Google Doc somewhere. Ugh. All right, keep going. I'm gonna find out. Okay, yeah, it's it's on the spreadsheet for sure. Oh, that was the that was the first really painful moment of the show for me. But um, I'm gonna suck it up. Best slatted door closet scene. I don't. I don't think we have to spend too much time on this one, uh, <laughs> but I, I thought it was a trope that uh, comes up enough. Let's uh, throw out a whimsical vote on it. Uh, number one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Two, Hot Tension. Three, Halloween 1978. Vic. I mean, come on, it's Halloween. It yeah. can't be. It can't be anything but Halloween. Yep. Do do respect to to TCM twenty twenty two, but uh, yeah, I mean this. It's clearly it's clearly Halloween. I wonder how long you could have made this list. I do feel like it showed up in, in on nearly every film. 
Yeah. I mean, in, in hindsight, I, I wish we came up with all the categories before we started watching the movies because we would have a more exhaustive list. Also, if we wrapped it up, you know, in about six months instead of two and a half years, that would probably yeah, help. If I can remember any of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I can confirm that we ousted My Bloody Valentine 3D that's, when we, when we, <laughs> Rich, when you and I voted for New Nightmare. That's what I saw. So, there you go. I, I did. I did kind of like my bloody Valentine 3D. Yeah, I know. I did too. Some thoughtness for it. That wasn't as painful as whatever the orphanage beat. I think it was Tale of Two Sisters. Yeah. But it, it went way farther than that I thought it should have. Oh, as, as, as long as John gets his heart broken at least once a season. Yeah. Well, glad to make your day. So the next one is the George Bernard Shaw Award. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, thank you to Vic. This is Vic's gold standard for best writing. And the nominees are Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers, Friday the Thirteenth, Part Six, the 2019 Child's Play, Psycho, Scream, Happy Death Day. And the town that dreaded sundown, even though apparently we all hate that movie except me now. <laughs> okay, uh, Rich, lead us off. Uh, I just want to say this is the first nomination for Friday the 13th Part 6 for writing. <laughs> <laughs> or Halloween no. for the return of Michael Myers, for that matter. No, Friday the 13th was nominated for funniest uh, no, no, but he I, say he said for best writing. Oh, writing. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this is this is the first appearance of Halloween 4 in the the first and our... only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried I tried to figure out where else I could fit it in, but nope. I'm going to punt this one to someone else. I don't okay. I I feel like I would have to go back, really go back and like look at these films again. I don't know that I have a strong front runner here. Vic, do you? So, it's tough. Here's the deal. Scream is sort of objectively the best screenplay among them. While I don't share everyone else's just just knee jerk distaste for it, certainly my my feelings towards Scream have waned over the course of this process, and just everyone shouting at me about how terrible it is. <laughs> so my gut reaction is to go with Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. I think it's a really clever script. I think they made something that was self-aware but not as smarmy as Scream. So that's that's my vote, Friday the 13th, Part 6. This comment will make sense to anyone who's been listening to our show for the last, like, eight episodes, 12 episodes. One of my big takeaways from this season is, damn, Vic really loves Friday the 13th, Part 6. And, I mean, I honestly, I do too, but... I think it's fair to say you love it more than I do. There's no question. But yeah, putting that aside, my and and, and you know, I I think it's very well written as well. This is going to be a bit of a dark horse here. I'm going with the Child's Play remake. I was consistently impressed and amused by just how clever and ingenious each scene was in that movie. I read a lot of scripts written, you know, today. And I was just watching it and feeling delighted at how it holds itself to a standard that 99% of the movies in this field of slasher films from the last 40, 50 years um, don't even aspire to. I think it's just a well-written movie, period, um, not just among slashers. And I think that that modernity and cleverness are or why I have to give it the edge. I mean, again, this is a case where I think it would be absurd not to give a nod towards Psycho. Yeah, but there's that horrible ending. There is that horrible ending, but that horrible ending is also a casualty of oh. the times. You know what, Rich? I'm just going to throw this out there. You're right. I don't know why I, I overlooked that. Uh, yes, I'm recasting my vote for Psycho, whether you want to, whether you vote for it or not. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, but we all like know that there's that 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 painful monologue at the end, which was part of why we didn't let Psycho get out of the first round, right? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Are we going to take a moment to <laughs> these other flawless films? <laughs> all out how there many, dark moments. How the many lines is, of dialogue can you quote from any other film on this list? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, you you point to that terrible scene at the end of Psycho because everything that happens before it is is like a completely flawlessly paced out suspenseful yeah. ride, right? And then it comes to this like screeching halt when suddenly the film is convinced that you don't understand what's going on and it has to explain the entire thing to you. I agree. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's bad. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, and I, I guess like at the time, maybe they felt like they needed it. Although I didn't think it was as bad this time around as the, the first time I saw the movie. It was a little shorter, but maybe that's because I was expecting the worst. Anyways, I, one bad scene does not a bad film make. And I don't think it's enough to look at the rest of the movie and say that, you know, like, and I, I know that I have seen pieces before on the psycho on the psycho script where you can see how like the shots themselves are, are planned into the script. Like for like the, you know, like the iconic shower scene and everything. It's like yeah. there, there's a, there's a visual language um, in that film because there's a lot of periods of time where no one's talking as well. So it's like you're doing a lot of storytelling that's both like textual and and subtextual. Um, and I think that, that that movie is probably doing it not just more, but just at a higher level than any of these other films. And believing that a great film starts with a great screenplay and Psycho is a great film. So and I just want to point out, I mean, you have that that great first act flip where you you feel like you're yeah. watching yeah. the you know this woman steal this money and then she winds up at this hotel and gets murdered and the whole movie flips on its head uh, I mean that's that's revolutionary in terms of of structure okay well I would love to argue but I honestly I, I can't and and I think the Norman Bates Marion Crane scenes are some of the most sophisticated interesting dialogue scenes of anything in in our tournament. So, um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you sold me. Okay. Moving on. Best incestuous psychosexual mother slash son <laughs> relationship, also known as mommy issues. <laughs> and we got a lot of contenders here, uh, but four nominees, either version of maniac blood rage psycho or deep red. And um, I'll kick us off. This was, for me, where Psycho comes in. It's hard to get away from it. Um, This is where I chose in my first pass to give the movie its due. It's the blueprint for mommy issue movies. I'll note that the 1981 Maniac does go pretty deep here, and it's just as twisted or more so. But I'm, I'm casting my vote for Psycho. Vic, what was your choice? Ditto. I gotta. I I agree. I mean, this this was the the blueprint for this sort of thing. I think Maniac gets a, a a runner up for at least being I think a little more explicit about the dynamics of the relationship and the source of the trauma. I think Psycho keeps a lot of that uh, sort of closer to the vest than than Maniac does. But it's still without Psycho, there's no Maniac, so you have to go with Psycho. Yeah. I'm going to third that I will give a, I, I just want to give a nod towards blood rage, not so much because the relationship itself was that compelling, but I do remember loving the, the performance of the, the mother who would definitely be, I would cast Laura Dern in that role um, <laughs> in, a, in a heartbeat. Uh, if I were to remake it today, um, with, with I'd maybe, like to see that. I kind of remember like mania, at least I, I I'm trying to remember the, the the relationship there and i remember it being like a little kind of like black and white like two-dimensional at least in the elijah wood version um yeah I, I think it was more of a critique that you brought to the table on the second one yeah okay yeah well it's uh, a good segue to bring up blood rage but yeah go ahead but uh but any, anyway psycho yeah clearly okay the best older actor who hadn't worked in a while 
and, and this one's debatable as far as criteria. Like, I, I don't know that we combed IMDb's to, to, to validate this one as far as career gaps, but the nominees are, number one, Ben Johnson from Terror Train, two, Chuck Connors from Tourist Trap, and three, Louise Lasser from Blood Rage. Rich, I mean, are you going to say someone other than Louise Lasser? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had pulled up clips from that movie to, to to watch her again. I just remember a lot of like crying into the into the phone. She had a career that was, uh, you know, my understanding was that she was on like sitcoms, like she was like a a comedy actress, and she brings a really like a a, a honest to god like David Lynch performance quality yeah. to that role. That really makes you, you know, we, we talked about like what part of the appeal with that movie is that like you're not always sure if that movie's trying to be funny or not. And no one is riding that line harder in that film than she is, where it's like <laughs> she's just a, a level of unhinged that is clearly not realistic. Like, but it's but it's not it's not farcical either. Like it's it's surreal. I mean, yeah, she was she was a powerhouse in it. Um, totally. So. She's she's my vote. Although I will say I really did enjoy Chuck Connors in Torch Trap. Yep, me too. Vic? I sort of just go the other way. Again, due respect to Seriously, Vic? Ben Johnson? Really? Yeah. Yes. Ben oh, Johnson. Oh man. No, it's was... Chuck Connors, guys. Chuck Connors. It's <laughs> I mean it's the same, like it's the same argument. He's giving a a David Lynch performance in a movie that doesn't deserve it, <laughs> but he's, he's insane. He does. He does. He plays multiple voices and, and parts and he feeds crackers to a mannequin. I mean, <laughs> come on. That's pretty, that's pretty great. Oh yeah. I'm going, I'm going Chuck Connors, you know, I he think was the rifleman, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's ever mentioned that before. <laughs> You know, Vic, uh, I think you flipped my vote here. Yeah. I was going to go for Louise Lasser, but you make a pretty pretty good argument. Like, Chuck Connors is the more slashery version. And, you know, like, this. ultimately, this is a season of slashers. How do we not honor, like, the oldest slasher in, in the whole group? Um, though I will say I saw Susan Tyrell in Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker since we closed our field of competitors, and her performance reminds me of Lasser and Blood Rage and reminded me of how much I appreciate Lasser and, and Blood Rage. But just they held nothing back, totally fearless performances. But I don't I don't think Chuck Connors did either. So um I'm gonna throw you a bone here on this one, Vic. Thanks, John. No problem. You owe me, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, well, while you guys are, are flirting with each other, I was over here researching Louise Lasser a little bit. And I do want to read about the 1986 incident in which Lasser was arrested at a charity boutique because police found $6 worth of cocaine in her purse. <laughs> they were Authorities were called after her American Express was denied and she refused to leave without the possession of a $150 dollhouse, <laughs> after which police discovered two unpaid traffic tickets and then found the $6 of, of cocaine in her handbag. Now, $6, that's intent to distribute, right? I mean, because you could cut that up. It says, it says, it says uh, 88 milligrams, which, um, <laughs> I don't know, that does, actually doesn't mean a whole lot to me. About how much? $6. But I don't know, it was, it was 76 Six dollars today is probably like you know a grain, like a it's you have to have a magnifying glass. Well, I've changed my vote. I, I'm going to Louise Lasser after that anecdote. No, no, no. no. I, I, I I'm tempted, but let let let's proceed. She's awesome. That explains a lot. Okay, next category: best on-screen killer. And to explain what we're going for here, in a lot of these movies, we mostly see the killers via. POV shots or their shoes or, you know, things like that. This category is meant to honor the killer who we actually watch a, a lot in action, uh, head to toe. And the, the nominees are high tension, maniac cop, 
Maniac, 1981, and Midnight Meat Train. So, uh, Rich, you haven't let us off in a while, I don't think. What's your choice? It's funny to see Maniac on this list because I, I so associate this as I, just because I watched the, the remake first. I associate it as like this is the, the, the point of view film. Like I have a hard time remembering the 1981 Maniac and not thinking of it as a point of view film. Um, oh, that's interesting because, yeah, it's not at all like the remake in that I, regard. I mean, yeah, when I like think it through, I, I know that. But I think that that says something about the remake, that it had a pretty indelible effect on me. Anyways, I digress. I think I'm going to go with Hot Tension here. And I, I know that, that that's a, uh, this is a dangerous category to, to, to pick that movie. Um, but that guy is grisly and, and scary and gritty and just generally unsettling. The kills, like I mean, we haven't given much attention to the to the the kills or any of the violence in that movie, but like it's pretty it's pretty grisly, you know. Oh yeah. And he sort of like he kind of works through it in this very joyless, but at the same time like enthusiastic, like workman like manner, which I think is like kind of what what Vinnie Jones is going for in uh, Midnight Meat Train. I think that's who's who played mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. Guy, right? But I guess I just don't find him quite as convincing, and he's a little more like stoic. the The lead in Maniac, whose name escapes me right now, I will say had had a real sort of like sweaty desperation to him that I can I see the appeal of, even though I find the the movie like a, to be a little bit repulsive. But any, anyways, that, that that's my take. I'll let you guys wax on about the other ones a bit. Well, I'm glad you riffed on that because I, I think that that's so true and such a part of the power of high tension is is his creepy ass presence and yeah they don't they don't hide it we 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 just watch this dude operate and you swayed me a bit but i'm still gonna tip the cap to maniac and joe spinell i think that we spend more time with him than the killer in high tension and i think he's the most realistic serial killer in our entire field unless I'm forgetting someone, because that's what makes him so unsettling. He's just this greasy, twisted, tortured, violent dude. And there's a lot of those out there who have walked the earth. I think that that's what makes him so compelling, is that we're not, even though like the movie goes into some lurid and supernatural but mostly psychological directions. I, I think you can totally read and interpret Maniac as just one of the many scumbags in New York City of the late 70s and early 80s who were out, you know, cruising, looking for vulnerable people. But he also has a humanity too, you know, like he's, he has vulnerabilities and he has desires and frailties and wounds and all of those things. So um, I'm going to go with him. Dude, you guys are nuts. The best killer that we see in action a lot, the best on-screen killer is clearly Vinnie Jones in Midnight Meat Train. Do you guys remember the train scene in that? Yes, it's amazing. The hammer, I mean, come on. That's one look, sequence, though. I Look, I will give you that the killer in high tension, I'm not saying hot tension, the <laughs> killer in high tension is is brutal and, and scary and sweaty and gross and also a wafer-thin French woman. Um, <laughs> so I cannot give I cannot give anything to, to that uh, because they're not real. Maniac on cop. screen, on screen killer, Vic. On screen. That's right. Yeah, on screen, still imaginary. Oh, um, but, but but maniac cop, totally real. Totally, at least he's real. <laughs> <laughs> at least he's corporeal. John, I I see your argument for for maniac, but no, it's I like when I looked at this, this is one of the few that I didn't have to think about at all. I was like, oh, like it's midnight meat train, just clearly. All right. Well, I am willing to switch my vote to high tension. <laughs> 
but not Midnight Meat Train. I hate you so much, John. <laughs> I wanted to do a, a Midnight Meat Train again. Like there was a period I think I voted for it to come back into the yeah, tournament. And right, we, yeah. we skipped that round, and I certainly remember the subway scene. It was great, but overall, I don't actually have the clearest memory of, of Vinnie Jones. Other than, of course, yeah, he was good, and I, you know, I'm open to him blowing me away on a second viewing, and that was only my first viewing of the film. It's high tension for me because it works. Well, thank you. You know what, John? You said high tension, and I'm counting that as a win. <laughs> I've said it a couple of times. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a huge category. Let's get down to business on this hey, one. I, guys, I need a, uh, a pee break before we do this. You don't have a bottle there under your desk? Okay, while Vic visits the water closet, I'll jump in to say that's enough for now, and there's one episode left to look forward to in our slasher season. Next time, we'll hand out the remaining awards and crown the greatest slasher film ever made. I assume if you're listening to my voice right now, you care about our show and you've noticed that we aren't releasing a lot of episodes these days. Well, we've been in a period of soul-searching and regrouping after a long season that didn't entirely go the way we'd hoped, but now I am happy to say that we have a way forward, and we'll be back in a big way. And I think you're gonna love it. For now, though, adios. We're gonna party like it's your birthday. We're gonna sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give a fuck because that's your birthday. You can find me in the club. Bottle full of bub. Mama, I got what you need. If you need to fill a buzz, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love. So come give me a hug. You're in the getting rough. You can find me in the club. Bottle full of bub. Mama, I got what you need. If you need to fill a buzz, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love. So Come give me a hug, get in the, get in the